Good morning. Uh, this morning we're going to look at a passage from uh, John 10. And just as a, a note you'll see in your order, this is the, the last Sunday of a, of a series that we've been doing on rest and joy around the idea of the Sabbath. And so we're going to finish up thinking about that this, this morning before we move into the season of Lent uh, next Sunday. And I want to open with a couple quotes to help us think again about this challenge of rest. The first quote, we live in an economy and society that are demanding too much from people. And another scholar writes, most Americans, although they have been taught that they should use time well, it now feels to many people like time is using them, like time is using them. And as we've heard these different quotes or other ideas throughout the last few weeks, I imagine many of us can relate, can relate to these observations. Too much is being asked. Time is using me. Whether it's at home or with family, whether it's in classes with tests or applications, whether it's at work in your career, we know, many of us know, the busyness and the endless demands that our culture, society put upon us. We know the stress or exhaustion of them. And so it's in this demanding culture that seems to be constantly measuring us that we've been reflecting on rest and joy through the biblical concept of Sabbath. Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it means to cease, to to stop, to, to rest. And Scripture puts it forward as this practice for us to take a day of rest one day out of the week, to set aside as a time of rest and worship. And it's meant not as a duty, but as a delight and as a refreshment. And before we move and look at our passage from John 10, I want to take a moment, a couple minutes, and do a recap of what we've been saying. <laughs> a recap. Don't skip the recap. We're going to kind of tell you a little bit about remind, what's the practice that God's given us and why it matters to us. And so first, this idea of the practice, this God given us a gift to, to take a time of rest. And first in creation, after making heaven and earth in six days, God rested on the seventh day. God stopped and delighted in his creation. And God rests not because God was tired. Rather, God rests on the seventh day to establish a created order or a pattern of time. We work and we rest. And it's a gift to be told that you cannot work all the time, that you cannot be on or cannot produce all the time. And so God not only modeled the Sabbath rest, but he commanded it. When he formed the people of Israel, he gave them the Ten Commandments. And as part of those commandments, we hear things like do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery. But also on that list is the call to keep the Sabbath rest. Remember the Sabbath. Keep the created rhythm. Do not work all the time, but stop. Cease your work and practice delight Practice rest. And such times of rest were be for all the people and all the domestic animals in Israel, not just for the rich or the powerful. And these weekly interruptions were to be a gift that affirms that we have limits and a gift that tells you and me that we are not defined or declared valuable because of what we produce or accomplish, but rather because God has made us. So in this practice that God set forth, we have been talking together and reflecting about what it might look like for us to begin or to, for us to, in our life to start having times where we celebrate with worship or reflection or celebrate with time with 
family, friends, with loved ones. We celebrate creation or celebrate times of just rest and recreation. Or we're thinking about the practice. What would it look like for us to have time where we stop work, stop studying, put away our phones or social media or email for a period of time? So that's the practice that we've invited to. But it's also important as we think about this to remember that God and his scriptures not just tell us to do this, but gives us permission to do it. Gives us permission. That's challenging in our culture to set aside time. But in the Sabbath, God is saying to us, it's okay. It's actually good and right to stop and to rest. And we need to think about why is that? Why can we, in the midst of endless demands, it seems like, why is it okay for us to stop? To set things aside? How can our hearts or our minds find rest? And what I want us to hear is that we have permission from God, not because we get all of our work done. This is one of the themes that's come back to over and over again. We have permission to stop and to rest, not because you get everything done or all the boxes checked, but because of God's work and promises for you. We can rest because of God's work for us. Last week we looked at Colossians 1 and we saw that God's work included Jesus facing all the powers that would claim us, all the powers that would tell you who you are or who you are not. That Jesus in his death entered our sin, entered our brokenness, our hurt, all the claims upon us, and through the resurrection from the dead showed himself greater than those powers. That's God's work for us, inviting us to rest. And this morning we're going to look at John 10. It invites us to think about God's promises and the future. The days ahead of you. In the face of our future, of questions, questions about our needs or about health, the relationships, financial questions, uncertain plans, what gives us assurance or hope? In the face of the unknown, we are tempted to place our hope in a variety of things. And if you're like me, one place of possible hope is in our work, in our ability to get things done and to achieve. And what God reminds us of, if that is our hope, it is uncertain and it is wearisome. In John 10, Jesus speaks about his relationship with us as a shepherd and a sheep. And, God, and he makes a promise in the face of the uncertainty of our future, of not knowing where our path will lead, Jesus uses the image of a hand. He's holding us, he says. He holds us in his hands, and nothing, not in this life or in death, can snatch us away. This is God's promise in Christ, and it is the basis of finding rest in our bodies and in our souls. So let's look at John 10. This is verses 7 through 15, and then 27 through 29. You can follow in your order of worship or in your Bible. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. This is God's word given for our good. Let's pray. Lord, would you come to you anxious to find rest, to find a word beyond what we can get done or produce. And so, Lord, we pray that we'd find rest not only now, but rest for the future in you. Lord, speak to us this day by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we think about the future and this idea of finding assurance or rest in Christ, I want us to have, look at two things in our sermon this morning, two points. The first one will be that we face many threats to our rest, and the second point will be that we rest because we have a Savior. So the first one is that there are many threats to our rest. As we try to think about the human experience and what it's like to live this life, especially at times of uncertainty or being out of control, we can think of maybe of a number of different images. A couple of things that I want to mention, there's a book called Virgil Wander, a novel, and he pictures this being out of control or uncertain like flying a kite. Have you guys flown a kite lately? Not just flying a kite, but flying a kite at night, he says in this book. I've never done that. Maybe you have. He can't see the kite, but he feels it. It feels like holding something alive, like holding on to the wind. He can feel it, but he cannot control it. Another image about life or feeling uncertain. I read an account recently of a woman who was out jogging many miles, and in the midst of her, her run, her phone battery died. And this brought great stress to her. And maybe you can think of the stress, you know, missing calls or missing texts or not knowing where the map is. In her case, though, the stress was that her playlist had stopped, right? No more music. And in that moment, she felt very alone and quiet and realized, she wrote, that this is the first time in a while, a long while, that she had a number of minutes in which things were quiet. And suddenly, worries or questions or things that she was anxious about or even memories that she didn't really want to think about had started popping into her head with no music to push them back. Maybe you can relate. But Jesus gives us another image, the image of a sheep. Now, if you're like me, I don't know much about sheep. Not an image maybe that comes right to our minds. But he offers it as an image of life when we feel uncertain. We might notice right away when we read this passage that Jesus mentions numerous threats to the sheep. Thieves, robbers, wolves that snatch and scatter. I don't know much about sheep, like I said, so I did some research. The veterans hand the veterans, not veterinarians handbook, sorry, veterinarians handbook. And sheep are a prey species, is what it's described as. And it's never good to be described as a prey species, probably. 
No claws, no fangs, no great speed. Their only defense is to flee into hope. And Jesus invites us into this image, right, of a life in which there are dangers and threats upon us. And this image of a sheep is an invitation for any one of us when we feel lost or harassed, exposed, uncertain. For anyone who knows what it's like to live in a world where things seem uncertain, where it's easy to lose your way, where there's no shortage of threats. I saw in the paper this week that Chicago, why it won something, that it hasn't been a good sports season, right? We've not been good football or hockey or basketball. Maybe baseball will be different. But Chicago won again that we're the most corrupt city in the country, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. And I mention that because, right, some threats are kind of systematic or, or far away. Injustice that seems to impact us from a distance. Robbers that see us as something to use for their ends. We can think maybe of threats in a similar way of systems in which there is downsizing or losing jobs, of being pushed out or passed over, even when you did everything that was asked of you. We can think about work or school when there seems to be an endless amount of work being asked without consideration of what's before you. That it seems so easy in our culture to be dehumanized, that there's voices over and over again that put evaluations or pressures upon us, calling for achievement or production, reducing us down to what we can get done or achieve. Sometimes the threats are like that, kind of in the air, and sometimes they're very personal. One close to us that hurts us or betrays us, someone who forgets us or turns away, deciding us to be too costly, not interesting. Sheep are a prey species, and Jesus invites us in to feel that threat. The veterinarian handbook also said that sheep have a tendency to wander, are happy to follow any sheep going in a certain direction no matter where it's headed. I think Jesus not only has in mind the threats around us, but the threats even within us, our, our hearts, our selfishness, or kind of our wanderings, our falling short, or going astray, and our hunger and our longings, chasing after false hopes, or even things that are hurtful and leave us covered in guilt and shame. In the face of these threats, the things stirring within us and around us, Jesus offers himself. He's not offering a path in which there is no longer any threats. They are all absent. But rather, he's offering the possibility that we would not be alone. That there would be one who is with us, who would defend us, and who would hold us. And inviting us to that, he gives us two descriptions. He says that I am the door of the sheep and I am the good shepherd. And that leads us to the second part of the sermon that says that why their threats are real, that we can have rest because we have a Savior. I am the door of the sheep. The door, the gate, is an image of an entry point. Right? Going in and out. And this is the idea that the way or the voice through which we understand the world. And Jesus says his sheep know his voice. The, the shepherd spends hours of, or, of days in the company of sheep. He knows their individual characteristics, their markings, and what's more, they know him. The image here is they know his voice, and they're listening for the voice that matters, 
the voice that they can trust, the voice in which they can rest. This is an image of intimacy, of contact and trust. Here is one who is worthy of following. And while sheep and shepherd might seem far away from us or distant, it gets to a fundamental question for each one of us. For all of us must choose or must identify an entry point, a gate, a voice that we say matters. This is the one I will listen to. This is the one who will lead me that life can be found. And there is no shortage of offers for you and for me. Jesus is offering himself as the way of abundant life. A while back, my family and I, we went with some friends to see Frozen 2. Maybe you've seen that Disney movie. There were two high points in the movie for me. They're both songs. One called I Lost in the Woods, which is based off like a power love ballad from like the, the 80s. Just, it was a great joy. And another one by a snow, magical snowman, Olaf. You know, oh, maybe you know Olaf. Comic relief in those movies. His song was When I Am Older. This will all make sense when I am older. Someday I will see that this makes sense. One day when I'm old and wise, I'll think back and realize that these were all completely normal events. I'll have all the answers when I am older. Such a song is, I imagine, a chance for the adults in the, the theater to laugh, that we know that things are not that way, that when we're older that we have all the answers. We know in many cases that when we get older, it's that the darkness deepens and the monsters seem to be bigger. Down the road, I'll know the answers. I mentioned that when I get older, I'll have all the answers because it's like saying something similar about the idea of rest or where we find life. When I get everything done, then I'll rest. When I'm older, I'll know all the answers. That fallacy is a similar to the idea that when I get everything accomplished, when this test is over, when this application process is complete, when I graduate, when I have a better job, when my kids are older, when I'm retired, then I will know what it is to rest. And why it's true that there are some seasons in which are busier than others or seasons that require more sacrifice than others, it is a false hope to think that we will find rest for our bodies and our souls when we can complete the things before us. When I've completed all my responsibilities, this way of self-reliance always brings a weariness and a burden. It reminds us of what Jesus says elsewhere, that we can gain the whole world, you can accomplish the whole world, but lose yourself. Forget yourself. Rest, rest that brings peace into our very being. Rest that, gives, rest that gives us permission to set aside time. Rest for our soul that frees us must be based on something outside of us. To get down to the core of rest, there has to be a sense in which we encounter something beyond our ability, our strength, our ability to handle things. And the Sabbath rest is an invitation to see this chain broken, the chain built around my achievement or my getting the next thing done. It sets forth an interruption that reminds us that there's something more at work than just myself or my plans. 
See, Jesus is offering himself as the gate, the entryway to see a different way of life in which we have freedom from slavery, slavery to material objects, freedom from human expectations, even freedom from shame that hangs upon us. There's so much we could talk about this way of the the door, the entry point, if we have more time. But the idea is that all the questions that we have in our hearts, the questions, the fundamental ones about who we are, where we came from, why we're here, how we're to live, and where we're going, Jesus is inviting those questions to himself. And at the heart of being a Christian, a follower of Christ, is to say that Jesus is the answer to the questions of my soul. And he's offering himself in this way saying, I am the door. I am the way not to lose yourself, but to find it yourself. And so why is his voice worth listening to? Why is his answers worth hearing? Because he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. In our passage, you might have noticed that Jesus contrasts himself with the hired hand in order to show the fullness of his love and goodness. Hired hands have no real attachment to the sheep. It's like a summer job. You know, they can come and go. They're doing the job for pay, but when some threat arrives, he leaves the sheep and flee. But the shepherd is different. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And sometimes shepherds would die at the hands of thieves or predators. And Jesus is referencing this reality, but he's pushing it even further. Jesus does not merely risk his life for you, but lays it down. His death is not accidental, but an intentional act. The Jesus image here of the good shepherd is an image of sacrifice and of union. This is not just a death as example, but it's a death on behalf of someone. What Jesus is doing, what makes him the good shepherd, is that his care extends beyond just pointing the right way. But he's doing what the sheep cannot do. He is saving them. He's facing the threats that they face. He's facing that which would devour the sheep, that they cannot face themselves. And he's doing so as the good shepherd. He stands in our place and takes upon himself the fate that belongs to us. The image here is that he binds himself to you. He is the good shepherd, and there is nothing that can separate him from his sheep. There is a poet, last name Rilke, wrote in German, and one of his poems is, No one lives his life. No one lives his life. It's about wearing masks and how we try to hide or disguise ourselves to others. The poem goes, No one lives his life disguised since childhood, haphazardly assembled from voice and fears and little pleasures. We come of age as masks. Our true face never speaks. He's exploring the reality that we move in and out of relationships disguised, hidden, convinced that our futures rest in managing or meeting the expectations or evaluations around us. The poem concludes, wondering, somewhere there must be storehouses where all these hidden lives are laid away. 
I share that poem because it invites us to think about the idea of hiding. It invites us to think about the Good Shepherd. What Jesus is saying is that He sees. No matter how good our masks, no matter how much we hide from others, Jesus sees. He sees all of us. Our weakness, our fears, our hurts, our hopes, our uncertainties, our wandering selves. He sees. And He moves towards us. For me, this is a point that makes everything different. This is the point in which transformation can happen. The one who sees me completely, loves me fully with a sacrifice, sacrificial, uniting love. I am the good shepherd. What Jesus is saying to us this morning, in the face of the threats, he will move towards you. In the face of your sin and selfishness and failure, he will identify with you. Others might leave, might turn away, might distance themselves from you or forget you. But Jesus will lay down his life for you. And this is evident in the cross that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The title here, good, refers to beautiful, of great worth, that Jesus is the beautiful shepherd. And I hope that you got a sense of that, that Jesus is inviting us into his rest, his care. He has laid down his life to cover your sin and guilt, and he calls you to follow him, to hear his voice and let it be the one that answers the questions of your heart that points you in the way of life and of hope for the future, the one who speaks comfort to your fears. Sabbath, this idea that we can have rest and have permission to stop, is not rooted in what you and I can get done, but rooted in God's actions for us. And that way, Sabbath rest is a testimony, an interruption in the voices of our culture It challenges the endless dehumanizing calls for achievement or production or reducing us down to what we can get accomplished for ourselves or others. It proclaims that the world does not belong to the powerful, but to the creator of heaven and earth. It reminds us there is something more than our resources or more than our efforts. It's because of Jesus laying down his life, his identifying with you, that the final word of your life is not sin or failure or even mistreatment or death. Because of Jesus' sacrifice and identifying with you, the greatest power in your life is not the evaluation of others or your achievements, but His grace. Rest for our bodies and souls is possible because of the faithfulness of our God. Christian assurance is built not on our holding tight to God, but God holding us. It's rooted not in our faithfulness, but in the faithfulness of God. To hear how Jesus speaks of that assurance at the end of our passage, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is God's promise to us in Christ, inviting us to place our faith in Him, that we can rest and know ourselves apart from the demands of this world. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are.
And Lord, we thank you that you are good to us, and we ask that you would help us to find rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.